Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous, and to all of the new listeners who may be listening to the Afternoon Special Podcast for the very first time because you found the show via my Apple Spotlight, welcome. Welcome to the club. I hope it's a fun time for you. I really do. If you've been listening to the pod at any point this month, or again, if this is your first episode, hello, hi, I'm so happy that you're here. You'll know that we've been celebrating the societal concept of the teen girl. We've been diving into how society sees her and how she sees herself. And a large contributor to the latter half of that is the movies and TV shows that she was watching. Whether they were fantastical adventures in far off places or realistic depictions of everyday life, we carry the media that made a lasting impression on us for the rest of our lives and for a thousand and one different reasons. The media that showed who we were or who we could be. This episode is very, very special because it is partially created by you. I asked on my Twitter at HiAmBobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I, for some formative pieces of media from your teenage girl years, and I'm going to read some of the responses I got. I got an overwhelming amount of responses, so I can't read them all, but I'm going to highlight a few that really stuck out to me. So, enough preamble. Simply put, this episode is for the girlies. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. So the films and TV shows that we loved as teen girls could easily be broken up into two groups, which are relatable and aspirational. Again, the media that showed us who we were or who we wanted to be. And it could be for a litany of reasons, too. It could be how the characters dressed, how they acted, the things that they got to do, the freedom and new responsibilities that being a teen could afford. No matter what, we impress ourselves onto these shows and these shows in turn impress their, themselves onto us for one reason or another. So let's start out with the aspirational media, the media that showed us what we could be, the thing that we really, really wanted to do. And the idea of breaking this down into aspirational and relatable came from my friend Liz, who is amazing. She's producer Liz all over the internet. Wonderful, wonderful person. And she, when I asked uh, her this question, she talked about how she wanted to be a teen so bad. And that kind of like got the gears going in my mind of like, yeah, when I was like a preteen slash child, being a teenager was like the coolest thing that you could do because think about it at that age you are feasibly in a school all by yourself so like you're not in elementary school or middle school um 
or if you went to school where it was just like K through eight, that was a big jump to go to high school. Um, teenagers could drive, teenagers could dress the way that they wanted, teenagers could listen to what they wanted. Like being a teenager really meant like this new sense of freedom that you as a kid or as a preteen really hadn't experienced yet. And then when you get to be a teenager and you can look back on it as an adult, you're like, yeah, I didn't get to do that many like different things beyond being a kid um, when I was a teenager, at least for me. Like, I think pop culture definitely told me that being a teenager was going to be this like really cool and new thing. And I was going to be this completely different person. And I was a different person, um, mainly because of puberty uh, ravaging my life. And so, again, I was just, you know, sad and mad and horny and glad all in one go. Uh, so that's how I changed. But, you know, I, I am just one person. But there was a lot of aspirational media and it kind of manifested in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think they had different impressions on us. Like the first thing that I thought of for aspirational media was kind of that like like the girly media or like reality tv shows shows like like america's next top model or like more realistic shows like uh like trl or you know like total request live you know shows like that that show teenagers in situations that the average teen is not going to experience right like I'm the average teen is not going to go on America's Next Top Model, but the average teen can watch other teenagers because the majority of the people who are on America's Next Top Model were teenagers, um, like 18 plus, and they could watch them and be like, oh, man, it would be so cool if one day I could do that or watching TRL or any like MTV like countdown shows. You see these teenagers who get to hobnob with their favorite musicians or their favorite celebrities from TV shows. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, like one day I want to like when I'm a teenager, I'm going to be on, you know, TRL and I'm going to ask my favorite celebrity this question. And it's just like that element of it that is very, very aspirational. It's not exactly like relatable because the average person doesn't do things like that but it's just something that you aspire to it shows like ah oh, like this is what teenagehood could look like for me even though more often than not it doesn't exactly manifest in that way another little branch off of this is the kind of like magical girl realm of things and magical girl is very vast here so i'm talking like from sailor moon to x-men like that's that's kind of the the realm that we're working in and it's basically to suggest media that depicts you know teen girls or women that teen girls like aspire to be in their own way so using x-men as an example and when i asked um kind of for pieces of formative media from um my my audience x-men showed up overwhelmingly so like i i love the x-men i did not think that it was going to show up as much as it did but i was kind of happy and it makes a lot of sense um because a lot of the times when it comes to superhero media specifically um for a very long time up until probably now ish there weren't a ton of like out in front female superheroes like you kind of had wonder woman and like if you knew comics you knew of other women but they weren't getting these standalone projects like wonder woman was like she was kind of the only one 
for a super long time. And it wasn't until we got into like the 80s and 90s that the superhero genre really began to expand. And these female superheroes were able to be given, you know, like plots and lines and storylines and things that like female viewers were invested in. And again, I want to make it clear that I'm not talking about within the comics. I know that there are a litany of like superheroes who are women and teen girls and they have those to relate to. I'm talking about as someone who was introduced to the superhero genre via film and television. For a long time, there just weren't a ton of female superheroes outside of of Wonder Woman and like maybe like a hand picked few of like super like like women villains, you know. But as we got into like the 90s, the 80s, 90s and 2000s, we began to see these female superheroes pop up and so you get something like an X-Men that has all these characters like Jubilee, Storm, Rogue, those are my two wives, Storm and Rogue, um, Jean Grey, like you get a team that is comprised of a lot of women. And I think a lot of people really related to them, not because they were like, oh, like I'm going to be a superhero, like not aspiring to be a superhero, but the aspiring to be someone super, to be someone strong, to be someone like a superhero in their own special way and I think that's what especially the x-men group really really got like got down pat like I think I'm thinking about shows like uh x-men the animated series which we will go into at some point next month spoiler alert um but x-men the animated series I think was probably a lot of people's first introduction um to characters like Storm and Rogue. And then eventually in the 2000s, we got X-Men Evolution, which was the X-Men as teenagers. And I think that was a second generation of people were then introduced to these characters in an even more, um, like, closer to home, but still aspirational way. And so you get all of these different pieces of media that are depicting you know, superheroism, but still in like a pretty human way. And so it still functions as aspire, like you can aspire to the idea of what these superheroes represent without actually like they're not relatable because the average teen doesn't have superpowers. As far as I know, I didn't get them. So if someone did get superpowers when they were a teenager, you know, good for you, whatever. in the same kind of realm as like the magical girl it's like the magical girl without power so the one like shining example of that and one that showed up quite consistently in the responses to the my question was the princess diaries like the average girl is not going to be like all of a sudden called up by their long lost grandmama uh to say like hey you're a lost princess of this far off land that you've never heard of and now you've got to go and be a princess and that is aspirational in that I too would love to be a princess <laughs> at some point in my life and like what the princess diaries was it kind of like functions as this weird like middle ground between aspirational and relatable because like I said like the average teen is not going to be called off to be a princess in a far off land but like how sick would that be if that was if that was the case and so like I said the princess diaries functions in this weird kind of middle ground because it is very aspirational and it is very like oh I wish something like that could happen to me but then there's this like 
very prominent streak of relatability in Anne Hathaway's character, Mia, because she is this very average-ish teen who gets called into this really like big moment and like how how cool is that like I think any media that has a teen girl stepping up into a big sense of responsibility um that's not just you know like learning to drive or something like that like something attainable but stepping up into a big sense of responsibility so like Mia in the Princess Diaries Katniss and the Hunger Games you know like teen girls being able to be given a sense of autonomy and a sense of responsibility, I think really is like a prominent thing in a lot of the media that I think we are really touched by because it shows the boundless possibilities of, of the teen girl. Like she can aspire higher and aspire to these things that feel out of this world. And like when you see media that depicts that, it almost like affirms that feeling in you. It, it, it affirms the like whole idea of like dreaming big and everything like that and being able to see these girls who are around your age um in these fantastical elements and like killing it it's nice to see even if it's not the most closely related thing in the world to your average day-to-day life and then the last thing of like aspirational media we talked about it a little bit in the last episode um, talking about puberty, but talking about aspirational media that is kind of cosplaying as relatable media, again, with Seventeen Magazine. And I'm not bashing Seventeen Magazine. I love it. You could honestly sub in like Seventeen Magazine, Teen Vogue, like those publications that were catering to a teenage market, but were definitely kind of like giving the teen girl fantasy. Like someone in the comments said like the teen girl fantasy. And I was like, yeah, like the 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 fantasy the societal concept the like commodification of like what is being a teen girl like is what was in these publications and I remember reading um Teen Vogue for some reason felt very like um like I I didn't feel cool enough to read (laughs) to read Teen Vogue because of the like the articles that they would talk about and it's definitely a lot more um accessible for like the average teen now but Teen Vogue felt like um it was just like Vogue for teens. And so I was like, I'm not a high fashion girl. Like this, this doesn't, you know, speak to me right now, but something like 17 definitely did where I was like, I remember getting every once in a while, like I mentioned in the last episode, I didn't have a subscription to, to 17. I wasn't nearly cool enough for that, but I would haphazardly get my, my little teenage hands on an issue every once in a while. And I remember forking through, Um, some of them and just seeing like these clothes and these outfits and these circumstances that so were not me like I wasn't looking to 17 for any type of like inspiration of of you know like for clothes or for shoes or makeup or hair like none of that really spoke to me because I just wasn't I wasn't that girl like that that just wasn't who I was as as a teen and I recognize that now in myself and it's okay (laughs) but I realized that it was something that I was like I I could be this girl you know it was weirdly enough it felt like a um a mood board of sorts a manifestation board of sorts if you will like it felt like something something I could be you know, like if I was if I was different or if I lived in a different spot or whatever it was like I could be this girl. And I think that was that was what 17 
was was giving it was selling that fantasy it was selling the like ah the teen girl can be all these things and like she can you know like be a rock star and go on all these dates and all this other stuff and like it just so was not who I was and I think this a similar concept um is like the idea of like Pinterest boards I I in anticipation for this episode um did the painstaking task of looking at my um Pinterest board from when I was in high school so when I was a teen girl and oh my god um <laughs> I know, it was just really embarrassing oh god I remember like the boards that I would like have and share and one big through line I think that kind of goes in tandem because you would see a lot of these things in 17 would be these like DIYs for like cooler clothes so like when I was a teenager like dip dyeing your clothes was a very very popular thing to do um so I had like boards completely dedicated to all these DIYs that I was like for the summer I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna come back to school in the fall and like be so like hot with all my new my new DIY clothes I'm looking at it now my gosh uh, I had like pins for these these different nails that I wanted to do I never attempted to do this like crazy nail art but I was like oh like I'm gonna be that girl for the summer um because I could sew I was like oh like I'm gonna sew myself a completely new wardrobe and like have this completely different look and that was just so not what that's that did not happen for me <laughs> but it was again this like these pieces of like aspirational media like it was like I could be this girl even if I was not that girl um and it wasn't a bad thing either. The only thing that I, I wish that I hadn't spent a lot of my time um, on as far as like aspirational media goes, especially on sites like um, like Pinterest and, and Tumblr and to a certain extent, like 17, I spent a lot of time wanting to change my body and like, you know, doing all these like workouts and stuff because my body needed to look like the teen girls that I like saw in in magazines and on these tv shows I was like oh like I don't look like a hot teen I just look like a regular teen which I needed to look like a regular teen um like that is not the time to be like ah like I'm I'm so hot or whatever like have self-confidence but that is the least of your concern but society makes it feel like it's a, a massive thing um especially like when I was a teen I feel like I used a lot of this aspirational media to plan around um, when I would go on like vacation with my family because every year we would go to the beach and everyone who's been to the beach as a teenager knows that like the likelihood or the possibility, not the likelihood, but the possibility of seeing someone who you may fancy who's the same age as you and having this like whirlwind summer romance at the beach is, you know, not likely but it's something that we all were like, yeah, I'd be down for that if that happened, you know? Like, So I feel like I spent so much of my time wanting to have my body look a certain way so that I could, you know, get a guy or whoever at the beach and like have this whirlwind romance like I heard in, you know, 17 or I saw and, 
you know, various social media platforms where I heard from like friends and everything. And I was like, oh, I want to be that girl who like meets a guy at the beach and, you know, we have this little thing. And it just so was not what happened. But again, like that was, that's the one regret that I have about some of the aspirational media that I consumed, which was like getting too wrapped up in changing myself to conform to this idea that ultimately <laughs> was not going to happen um, anyways. That moves us on to relatable media, which is the girl that I was and the things that I watched that I think helped me to be to be or to feel seen. And starting out with um, two movies that I told you guys that last week we were talk about. And so now we're talking about them um, is Real Women Have Curves versus Lady Bird. And this is like this is relatable teen media that I feel like is like almost like hyper hyper-specific, relatable teen media. Like, it feels like they kind of just took the average or, like, uh, the average teen girl and wrote down her story and then made a made a movie about it. Like, it's not too far off. Like, it feels like something that, feasibly speaking, could be done. So the aspects of um, Lady Bird, if you've seen both, you know that they kind of share a lot of uh, narrative DNA as far as like what they're talking about, which is essentially both movies kind of hinge um, on a story between a teen girl and her kind of contentious relationship with her mom. And a lot of people have pointed out that like real women have curves feels a little bit more realistic, especially women of color have said that real women have curves feels more realistic because it is kind of taking a closer look and and examines the um the various pieces that go into a relationship between especially women of color with their moms um that Lady Bird didn't quite get and Lady Bird is very much like yeah it is a white girl's relationship with her mom and there were countless you know people who can still find something within Lady Bird to uh relate to but when I saw I think I saw Lady Bird first and then I didn't see real women have curves until I got into college and I was like oh yeah this is this feels a little bit truer to me because real women have curves highlights the the different societal aspects outside of this relationship that may affect this relationship like in real women have curves America Ferreira is like she looks to me more like the average teen girl especially like what I look like in in school like her body is not you know this like very picturesque like conventionally accepted thing and so she struggles within that her mom you know doesn't make her feel the greatest about herself they talk about the kind of economic factors surrounding like the community that she's in the racial components like there are so many things about this movie that are layered one on top of another that feel a lot more authentic and genuine and holy um holy as far as like showing the big picture um that i think to me ladybird didn't quite capture but it doesn't diminish either two because two they both show 
a contentious relationship between a daughter and her mother and the various factors that go into that. Lady Bird also explores like the economic factors surrounding the community that they live in, the, you know, the struggle between what you want to do and what you must do as far as like what is practical and what makes the most sense. This whole idea, I remember when I first saw Lady Bird, what felt like at the time, because when I saw Lady Bird, I was still, I think, in my teens um, at the tail end of it, but I was still around that age. And I remember the scene where uh, Lady Bird is in the dressing room with her mother and she kind of says something to the effect of like, I feel like, you know, like you love me, but you don't like me. And that was the first time that I, I got that concept because I had been feeling every teen at some point or another has that feeling with their parents or whoever their, you know, their guardian, whoever the, the figure who was meant to help them, you know, teach them how to grow up and everything. You have that moment with a family member or whoever, where you're just like, I know that you love me, but I don't feel like you like me. And as a teen, that's a really hard concept to, to be hit with because you're, you know, that love, while it should, shouldn't come with conditions, sometimes it does. And sometimes you may not be the person that the person who was tasked with raising you likes all the time. And that's a difficult concept to wrap your head around as you get older and your emotions get more complex. And I think both of these movies really kind of like cling on to that fact. And I think both movies definitely have merit, but there are two movies that really do, um, I think highlight some of the discrepancies that we can find in relatable teen girl media and like how sometimes some of them give you a more varied picture and like have more things going on and some don't and there's no fault with either of them it's just different you know what I mean so then that moves us out of the more realistic and into the realistic but funny I feel like real women have curves and Lady Bird are like realistic in a, a very emotional way. Like it's it's a gut punch. It's like, yes, emotionally speaking, this is where I am. Whereas movies like Easy A and Booksmart are like, this is where I am. And it's hilarious. I am sharing something with the class. Uh, this past weekend is when I watched Easy A for the first time in full. Easy A is one of those movies that like, do I know all the quotes from? Yes. Like, could I tell you loosely what the plot is about? Yes. Like, I know everything about the movie without having actually seen the movie in full. And so this past weekend, I sat down and actually watched it in full. And I am definitely of the mind that Easy A is probably, if not the best, one of the best teen movies ever made because it is so... Like, obviously not in, in context. I would hope that something like that is not regularly happening to teen girls. And I just know how the rumor mill, especially for teen girls, can be incredibly unforgiving. And so it was weirdly, like, it was almost like a, a good for her movie in Olive trying to wrangle this narrative that was, you know, kind of getting out of control. And then she realizes when it, it does get out of control, taking back the power of being like, hey, it is not okay that this thing is happening. And like, we should be more, more aware of these things and be more gracious of these things. Um, but also I think the movie that really, really struck me and I funnily enough watched it when I was not a teen anymore. I think I was 20 when I saw it was Booksmart. 
that was the first time that I was like, oh my God, that is what I was like in high school. Like I definitely <laughs> were Amy and Molly when they were just like, you know, like we focused on the books and we got into the schools and we could have done both. And we didn't know that we could have done both. <laughs> and I definitely had that feeling where I was just like, I wanted to be, you know, the person who like went to parties and was like super duper cool and everything like that. And I wasn't like, you know, completely like a nerd or whatever it was but like I definitely had a greater focus on books and a greater focus on you know doing all the things that I needed to do to get into the college that I wanted to go to and make sure that I was set up for the next you know beyond the on beyond this the next four years of of school beyond high school and that movie was like weirdly enough it felt like I could live vicariously through Amy and Molly as they go on this kind of like bender on this last night of of high school and be able to live that experience that I just didn't have when I was a, a teenager. Um, not to say that I was this like sheltered teen or whatever it was, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't partying and, you know, doing all these things. Like I feel like I was, I had my faults, don't get me wrong, but I was very much like about the books you know what I mean and I think that's why I really loved a movie like movies like Booksmart and like Easy A because they kind of gave me that sense of like this is not this is relatable to me in that I relate to these characters and I relate to the general like atmosphere of what high school may be like um but it again is kind of like that weird in between of um like aspirational and relatable more teetering to relatable because it wasn't something that was actively happening to me but it was something that I actively related to and I think that was the cool thing about it and the the final piece of the relatable bit is one that I overwhelmingly saw um which was like anything basically from Nickelodeon or Disney Channel in the 2000s to early 2010s. So you're as told by Gingers, you're, um, you're That's a Ravens, you're Hannah Montana's, a lot of um, Wizards of Waverly plays. And again, these weren't, when you look at it as an adult, like the houses and stuff they were living in, the way that they were dressing, like you, you could be like, yeah, I wasn't dressing like this as as a teenager but they felt relatable because the, the attitudes that the characters had felt like teen girls even if it was in a very I don't want to say palatable but in a um in a way that felt authentic but maybe you wouldn't see regularly like someone acting like a character from a Disney Channel show would be quite weird in real life um but it would be something it would be something that you could see like characters like Raven or Alex Russo. I remember um, both of those characters specifically being two of my favorites because I felt like elements of their at like personalities were also my personality. Like I was very sarcastic, like Alex Russo was. Um, and I felt like pieces of me were very imaginative, like Raven was. And so there were so many characters on these shows um, and I felt very like introspective, like Ginger was on As Told by Ginger. And so there were so many elements of these characters on these shows that while like not every piece of them I related to, the ones that really mattered made a really big impact. Um, and I 
found myself like loving these characters and I still have a very like deep fondness for these characters because they felt like they were meeting me where I was as a teenager and that is such an important thing of like not having to you know twist and it's not like something a show that is not necessarily for your age group but you're watching it anyway um but and then not something that's like pandering to you but something that is truly just like evenly matched to where you are and that's just such a special thing and I think that's why I always will have a a deep fondness um for those shows and even going back and watching them I watch them as adults or as an adult and I still get that same sense of like like I just I get that same like teenage wonder when I watch these shows and I they first of all they still hold up absolutely um but it's just like I don't know it's just a really it's a really cool thing and I love shows like that um and I love that they were such important representation um in a litany of ways like a lot of people have talked about the Latine representation in um Wizards of Waverly Place, like obviously the very prominent black representation and That's a Raven. I mean, That's a Raven as a show was this like this pillar of like black girls in in television for so many years. Same with the Cheater Girls. Like it just was it felt like finally, yes, we have these black girls who are doing these super cool fun things and they look like me. Like the one thing that tends to happen um and I'm sure a lot of women of color and people of color would relate to this experience is that like you oftentimes will watch things and you don't see a character that looks like you and so you kind of have to like psycho map your your personality onto whichever character fits the most um even if that character doesn't look like you and that very unique experience is something that you kind of just like get into a rhythm of doing and you don't even think that um that you'll that you're doing it but you realize it you're just like oh like there weren't any black characters on the show but I like this one you know what I mean um and so I think that's why people really latch on to the black characters or the characters that you know represent their identity so much because sometimes they were just super duper sparse and so when you have a show and a massive show at that like that's a raven or a master franchise like the cheetah girls and it feels like it's wholly yours in that you know and yours is like uh you know black girls it feels really special and you really hold it close to the heart and so i think that's what tends to happen with those things and so the last thing um is a a secret third thing. So it's not aspirational, it's not relatable, but as a teen, it is something that you feel is for you. And I kind of alluded to it in the last section, but it's talking about media that wasn't exactly catering to teenagers. Like it kind of was, but like you, you may have gotten more satisfaction from it as an older person, Um, but you still could, you could relate to it like it wasn't necessarily like for a teen teenage market but you could you could watch it something like that and so I overwhelmingly again got responses like uh skins which is a show that I've never seen um because I remember seeing commercials for it on MTV and being like oh that's too adult for me (laughs) even though it was like teenagers but shows like skins um movies like bring it on 
again, I didn't think they were relatable. Um, they were relatable in that, like, I was also a cheerleader, but that was about it. Um, and they weren't exactly aspirational. I thought they were cool, but I wasn't as exactly aspiring to these different scenarios. But it just felt like, I felt like so teenager watching it. It kind of it ladders back to the concept that I was talking about at the top of the episode, um, where it was just like the the idea of like wanting to be a teen and feeling like a teenager with a capital T, that type of thing. And that is what these shows were. Also, I got a lot of like, oh, I was a Super Hulak fan when I was a teenager. So like, if you don't know, Super Hulak is Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock, which were massive shows, especially if you frequented Tumblr around that time when you were a teenager. So these shows don't exactly serve a purpose of being aspirational or relatable but they just feel like they're for you you get some sense of satisfaction from them and a lot of responses that I got um on my tweet were from people especially queer people saying like I found myself in these shows because of this storyline or because of this character um also with Buffy the Vampire Slayer too like there are characters like Willow like definitely helped a lot of queer teens find themselves and kind of give themselves um, a bit of a, a bit of a roadmap or a bit of a guide as far as navigating their feelings around their sexuality and their identity. And I just think that's a really cool thing that tends to happen, um, with this type of media. Like you don't think that it's exactly for, you know, teenagers, but teenagers will find something within them, um, that they relate to or that they makes them feel seen in some way. And I think that's super cool. So to wrap up this episode, I'm going to read some of the responses that I've gotten on that tweet. There are a lot of them um, because I was not anticipating that so many people would have thoughts. But the tweet currently has like 268 uh, responses from people who were telling me their uh, their pieces of formative media. So I am going to read some to you and I hope that you will, you know, think that they're cool and be nice because these are people who follow me feasibly um so kiki said i was a super who lock teen which i just explained what that was but especially doctor who who taught me a lot about love and life and my sexuality also the quote quote in 900 years i've never met someone who wasn't important end quote helped me through some dark times which i really love that um i love when shows can have a uh like a, a line or a scene that you remember as a kid and it, or remember as a teen and it really hits you and it's really important um and you you hold on to it as an adult that's what i meant like these shows we carry with us um until until the end and they never get old for us um chloe said confessions of a teenage drama queen which i saw a lot of um responses about that too she was dramatic she was feminine and she embraced the chaos of it all and if you learn anything this month you know that hell is a teenage girl for real like <laughs> it just it really is like it is a hell is a teenage girl um Brandy said as told by ginger and brace face meant a lot to me as a teen because they felt it felt like they were made with a lot of empathy to the teen girl experience which is very very true um they didn't talk down on the teen girl experience and i think that's a very important part um of the kind of like finding media as a teen girl um because you don't want to have 
media that is speaking down to what you're actively experiencing um, in in this time in your life. Like you want something that feels like it's honoring where you're at as as a teen, which is cool. Um, this person, I'm not sure what their actual name is, but their screen name is Love to See It. They said, well, this was way before I was a teen, but that's a Raven, specifically the dress episode. Legit, in all my adolescent years, that was the only time I saw a plus size, even if she wasn't that big black girl, discussing her weight and being confident. I remember that episode quite a bit. The premise of the episode was, um, that Raven was like going to be a model and they didn't want, they only wanted models who were like size like zero or something like that. Um, and so Raven, like basically at the end of it, like ends up walking this fashion show in the same dress that this, you know, smaller model is wearing and rocking it. And that, like, that's the whole premise of it. And it was just like a super cool experience. Um, Dietzger said, Lizzie McGuire, Cinderella, the Brandy version, the Click book series, Gossip Girl, the book and the TV show, and Seventeen magazine. Ugh, these made me into who I am today. I was the quirky, nerdy, naive teen who had my head in the clouds, and I was and indulging in these made me feel accepted. Uh, Lucia said, "Wizards of a Really Place" and the Adams Family. I love seeing mixed Latino families like my own and the struggle of growing up weird slash different, especially from a queer lens. And because I've always had a love of the macabre. Westside Honeydew said, "Tumblr and Pinterest, which I mentioned in the episode, when I didn't have my license yet and spent a lot of my summers at home or with friends, we would constantly try to recreate DIY projects we found on there. I took pride in my Tumblr page and was always." made sure it matched exactly to my aesthetic. Um, Kayla said, as told by Ginger, for just how incredibly normal it was, it braced so many parts, many ordinary parts of life. And I think that's what made it really resonate with me. That's a Raven too. They struck the perfect balance of being real and absurd in that show, which is very, very true. Disassociated Press said, my queer teen awakenings, Jennifer's body, Black Swan, 13, but I'm a cheerleader, which showed up quite a bit. The Runaways, Cruel Intentions, relatable, and John Tucker Must Die. I used YouTube. I used to YouTube the kissing scenes over and over again. Very relatable. <laughs> very, very relatable. Um, Claudia said, Heather's was one of my fave movies in high school, and I wanted to be Alex Russo from Wizards so bad as a kid slash tween. Lady Bird in eighth grade also came out right as I was graduating high school slash starting college, which also really spoke to me at that transitional period of my life. Noella said, I wanted to be the teen versions of the X-Men from the X, the animated X-Men Evolution series so badly. Still puzzled why Storm wasn't also a teen since the show had weird age dynamics, but I think the show shaped me. Um, I really do need to 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 watch that show i don't know i've only seen x-men the animated series um so there's there's a lot to there's a lot that i need to to get back on on board with um but just to read off a couple for brevity's sake um a lot of people mention vampire diaries uh gilmore girls lizzie mcguire that's a raven the cheetah girls twilight which was a very very massive one um and i want to read you um two two more and then we'll we'll wrap up uh but kayla i'm hope i'm saying i'm pronouncing your name correctly 
uh, they mentioned Black Panther and they said Black Panther because it made me believe that I could make movies and that the world that I was fighting for could be possible one day. I went to see Black Panther on my birthday in a theater full of black people and it was honestly an incredibly formative experience for me. Seeing the smartest person in the world be a black girl who also argued with her mom, an elite army of black women in the Dora Milaje, it was a significant turning point in me accepting my blackness and coming into my voice, which... Ugh, I love that because it was the same way for me. And I think like I didn't expect for Black Panther to be one of the ones that made me realize that. But it, it really was that movie was so formative, especially for like black girl representation. It was amazing. And finally, Courtney said, um, Princess Diaries, 10 Things I Hate About You, Degrassi, Next Gen all had teenage girls who I could have identified with for several reasons. Princess Diaries was a metaphor for puberty for me. You're a kid one day and then suddenly you are meant to take on all these big responsibilities and people start to see you as an adult who has decisions to make. It happens all at once to Mia and that's how it felt to me too. 10 Things I Hate About You, while a Shakespearean level dramatic plot, also spoke to me about experience of feeling like you know everything and nothing as a teenage girl, which is very relatable you have these big ideas and plans and no one takes them seriously because who takes teenage girls seriously um and then trigger warning for rape and degrassi showed me the trauma that young girls are forced to go through Paige's rape storyline was the first time i thought about how i would react in that same situation seeing how i too was sexualized and how it could be me and how i needed to protect myself so there were a lot of again it was over 200 responses on that tweet and there was no way that I was going to be able to get through all of them um, without having you here for hours. But I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who commented on that and shared experiences from when they were a teen girl at any point in their life or experienced the experience that is being a teen girl. Um, it was a lot, a lot. It's a lot, you know. Um, and just to close out this month, which is, I think, been super amazing. And I've been so, so grateful to read all of y'all's messages about, you know, how the episodes have resonated with you um, as former teenage girls. And it's been just super duper fun. And I just want to say, like, again, hell is a teenage girl, but it's one hell of a ride. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, you're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast if you had a good time. It helps out the pod. You get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod and I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok or over on Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I need to go and rewatch all of these things that were very formative pieces of media for me as a former teen, I get it. And I support that decision. And so I put all that information for you in the description down below. You are welcome. And I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to Apple Podcasts because uh, I am the Apple Podcast Spotlight. It is an absolute honor. I just want to thank everyone at Apple Podcasts who are super duper cool for giving me this opportunity. I want to thank everyone at Q Code, which is 
the the thing that keeps the show running, um, especially everyone who works on the team with me to make the afternoon special podcast go. It is something that I I never thought when I started the podcast that it would get to this point, um, but it has, and that is super duper cool and so again i want to say a massive thank you to ryan zach Kristen, david steve ellie everyone at q code who who makes this show go thank you so much thank you so much for believing in this podcast thank you so much for believing in me and love you forever thank you so much so i hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you will join me again next week for a different episode a different concept but another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now.